好的，千寻呢，他是我们家的第四代里面的第一个，嗯，是我唯一的一个外孙。啊、This is among the interviews most sought after this year by New Zealand media. Xiaoping Lu flew from China in September to care for her three-year-old granddaughter Chen Chunxu, abandoned at a Melbourne railway station by the girl's father. Her mother Anan Lu was found dead in a car outside their Auckland home, and the girl's father Nayan Chu is still being sought by police. The story captivated Australian and New Zealand media, but the exclusive interview was filmed by a website based in a third-floor office of Auckland's Queen Street. Few non-Chinese New Zealanders would have heard of Sky Kiwi before the tragedy around Chen Chunxu hit the headlines. It's one of several Auckland-based Chinese media organisations that played key roles in this story. They, in turn, are just a handful of the media outlets produced in the languages of this country's increasingly diverse and rapidly growing immigrant communities. Communities which bring both media opportunity and challenge. Good morning from Radio New Zealand. This is Joe Cote, and for the next 60 minutes, this is Morning Report. The news. Three decades ago, keeping the country informed was much simpler. 86% of the population was classed as European. Most had English as their main language, and most read, watched, and listened to the same media. More open immigration now means nearly one in five Aucklanders are Asian. Within a decade, the figure will be one in four. Asians, Maori, and Pacific Islanders will then make up nearly half of Auckland's population. Foreign language media is not new to New Zealand, but the scale and the role that it's starting to play is. When police established the New Zealand connection in the security camera video of Chen Chunxu and her father at Melbourne. It was Auckland's Chinese media which began to fit the jigsaw puzzle together. Sarah Lee is the operations manager at Sky Kiwi, a Chinese-language website which attracts seventy thousand visits a day from mainly local Chinese. We are the first one to launch the information there to define the, the guy's name because he's also someone from Chinese community, and we personally know him, so we recognize that that's him. We are the first ones as that's Mr. Xu. And、uh, after a while, Chinese subscriber is contacting us, and、uh, we are the first media she's contact with.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, we seem to be、uh, really important for this case because all of information mostly come from our members, and we pass that down to police station. We pass that down to the other media. Across town in Mount Wellington, the phone also began to ring at WTV, a local Chinese language television channel and radio station. Lingling Liang is its senior journalist. On the very first day, I received lots of phone calls from the mainstream media. I was very surprised, and、uh, then I realized because we are Chinese media, we have very strong connection with the Chinese community, and I and I knew then. The mainstream media would like to know what was the response from the Chinese community regarding to the case. So, how did that relationship develop as the story developed? Because we got some people provide the contact details with the grandma in China, so we contacted the grandma.、Uh, I think on the second day or third day, the mainstream media television also knew we got the connection, so. They came to us, 
and we exchange our information. Language and cultural barriers left the mainstream media struggling to get much further into the story than through traditional sources such as the police. The story of the Sher family breakdown was being told first on Chinese language outlets such as the Sky Kiwi website, its internet radio station, and WTV's grouping of radio and television stations. They are just the tip of a growing pyramid of foreign language and ethnic media outlets. WTV is a seven-year-old multimedia business which rebroadcasts ten television channels beamed in from Japan, Korea, China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. Ten thousand households take this service for a monthly fee. It also runs two radio stations, broadcasting in Cantonese and Mandarin, a magazine, and since August, a free-to-air UHF TV channel. Its chief executive Henry Ho says broadcasting in the Asian languages will remain in demand. He says many immigrant parents want their children to master English in the primary school years, but then the focus shifts. Once when you're going to secondary, the parents is going back to the other side of the railway, and then they worry about the Asian language. You know, like because nowadays people always believe at the moment the most fast-growing market is actually in Asia. So if they want to. If they got a chance, they can go back to Asia. Asia, but if they don't know the language, they seems not really that quick for themselves. You know. WTV's nightly news at seven includes five stories produced by its team of six Auckland-based journalists. I spoke with senior journalist Ling Ling Liang as the bulletin went to air. Can you just tell me the main stories that are in in this bulletin? Oh, the main story we are we are very concerned about the car crash happened yesterday in Rotorua. There were 18 tourists from China were in the、uh, tour bus, and、uh, we just went to the、uh, travel agent who arranged the tour, but the tour the travel agent refused to release the names of the tourists. And on screen now the the, the new mayor of Monaco City, Lynn Brown. Yeah. You know that there's a lot of Chinese、uh, population in Monaco City, and Lin Brown is a new face for the Monaco citizens. And the, the first week after the election, we do lots of、uh, interview of the different mayors. So we did、uh, the John Banks, Lin Brown, and Andy Williams. 传说中的 Sky TV Night Radio 中极具重量的 What's Going On 事业。The website Sky Kiwi builds itself as the country's second-largest online community. Operations manager Sarah Lee says it has 20 online channels, including a Yellow Pages and a text message service. News channel, fashion channel, traveling, sports, auto trading, Christchurch channel. So different channels and online radio as as well. The most importantly, we have New Zealand largest online forums. It. Covers about ninety areas of all the topics. I mean, it includes everything: your daily life in New Zealand, your working, your、um, educational, and、um, where you shopping. In another part of central Auckland, is one of the highest-profile media outlets serving an immigrant community. Radio Tarana is an Indian radio station、uh, in New Zealand, catering for、uh, the Indian audience. 
and Radio Tirana broadcasts in Hindi and in English. It has other regional languages uh, within its programming. We also look at broadcasting on the internet, which gives us the international audience as well. Robert Kahn is the managing director of Auckland commercial radio station Radio Tirana. It has the ninth biggest share of Auckland's commercial radio audience. In the commercial radio survey results out several weeks ago, that measure of the number of listeners combined with the time they spend listening ranks it above highly promoted mainstream stations such as Radio Live and Solid Gold FM. This printing press used to turn out copies of the Wairarapa Age newspaper. Now it's proudly owned in Auckland's East Tamaki by Samoan newspaper editor Savea Sano Malifa. The Samoan Observer, most of it is in Samoan. It caters mainly for the Samoan community, Samoan readers here in Auckland. It's a compilation of uh, stories in the Samoan language that have been translated from stories that uh, are published in our newspaper in Apia. We print seven days a week, so all the stories are sent over and are translated here into Samoa and published. The Samoa Observer is just one of a range of locally produced papers serving the Pacific Island communities, telling the stories he says the mainstream media ignores. We tend to, uh, to go for, for the stories about the Samoan people living in Auckland mainly, the stories that are not covered by the mainstream ma- media, like uh, what's happening mainly within the churches, uh, in the homes, sort of things uh, that are not so very controversial, like the violence, things like this. Uh, It's mainly uh, human interest stories, the funerals, uh, weddings, uh, what happens in the churches. This is our headline news, yeah, and for this Thursday, we just have an interview with John Banks, Maggie Chen is the general manager of the Chinese Herald, which appears three times a week and boasts a readership of more than 45,000. It's perhaps the biggest Chinese paper, and in its own survey found that 80% of those who read it depended on it for information. Most of them were find that it's easier to read in their own languages, and this is one hand. On the other hand, that when they read the Chinese Herald, they can have the mainstream news and they can have the Chinese community news and both in one paper. Those are just five of the more than 200 ethnic and foreign language publications and outlets across the country. With growing ethnic communities, it would be easy to think that the media sector is thriving. It does, however, face some major challenges. Professor Paul Spoonley is the director of Massey University's College of Humanities and Social Sciences and says quality is one of those issues. We've uh, looked at the non-English language media in this country and it ranges from very good quality to some very poor quality. Uh, The information uh, might not be very accurate, it might be um, partisan in a political or an ethnic sense, Uh, it might be partial because you're only talking to a very small audience and you know what that audience is, is interested in. Um, so it, it does vary enormously in terms of, the, uh, of quality. Paul Spoonley also says there are pros and cons with the proliferation of titles and outlets. The non-English language uh, media sector provides an introduction to New Zealand. I mean, if you, if you go into many of the websites, the newspapers online, uh, the various blog sites, you'll find information about how to navigate your way around New Zealand society. So it has a positive function in that sense. 
But the negative function which concerns me is that we are fragmenting audiences here and where do we get to talk about the things that we share in common and which might be of concern? The growth of the foreign language media sector has been partly attributed to what some see as a failure by the mainstream media to respond to the increasing ethnic diversity in their markets. Jim Tucker heads the Fitirea Journalism School in Wellington and until recently ran the journalist training organisation. The problem is that we still don't have ethnic communities reported. Their stories are still not being reported in any meaningful way. There are some exceptions. Uh, Eyeball uh, newspaper that Lincoln Tan puts out was probably the leading example of an Asian outlet that was addressing some of the key issues in, in a, an interesting and quite tabloid way. But if you have a situation where the new ethnic media outlets are focused mostly on, uh, on surviving commercially and are not, uh, don't have the resources or the interest in providing a good editorial product, it doesn't apply to all of them, but it certainly has applied to a lot of them. And on the other half of uh, the equation, the, the mainstream, who uh, are not only uh, hamstrung, it appears, to do something about this, but have uh, in some cases lost experienced ethnic reporters who have migrated back to some of the um, new ethnic community outlets. We're very much in a transition stage. We haven't really seen the emergence of strong uh, ethnic media outlets and we haven't seen the mainstream come up with an answer on on how they're going to address this problem. Singaporean Lincoln Tan publishes the Auckland-based weekly newspaper Eyeball, which in English covers news stories from within the Asian communities. I think it's a sad reflection of mainstream media that uh, they've ignored this, uh, this market. And uh, the fact that communities have got their own media, uh, you know, we're not meeting on the same page. And that is the problem because there are very interesting issues being discussed uh, in the Chinese newspapers and the Korean newspapers, but then it's kept within that community. So, the, you know, it's like, there are three different groups discussing issues, which should we should be talking to each other rather than just um, you know amongst ourselves, and that's what's happening. So I mean I don't see this as very healthy. One mainstream organisation which recognised it needed to react was APN, which publishes the country's biggest newspaper, the New Zealand Herald. Four years ago, the assistant editor of the Herald, Jeremy Rees, went to the United States to visit cities undergoing similar changes to Auckland's. He says they decided on a multi-pronged approach, talking with staff about the demographic changes, trying to hire journalists with different ethnic backgrounds, and linking up with existing ethnic media outlets, such as Lincoln Tan's Eyeball. I think probably the hardest to achieve was to get journalists from other ethnic groups to come to the Herald, partly because initially, I think, there weren't that many who were coming through the journalism schools. The journalism schools in New Zealand um, are attracting white, middle-class, educated um, people who, and that's what the, the newsrooms of New Zealand look like because that's who's going into journalism schools. So in many ways there was a step before sorting ourselves out, which was to start saying to the journalism schools, what are you actually doing to try and sort of reach out to South Auckland or you know, an, an ethnic Chinese community and so on? I think that remains a big and intractable and difficult issue. While mainstream media organisations ponder how to reach ethnic communities within their markets, the media outlets connected to those communities sometimes have their work cut out to simply stay in business. 
Bo Lee is the executive director of Banana Works, an agency specialising in cross-cultural communication, often connecting advertisers and mainstream organisations with the ethnic media. Lots of people try to fit in into this media industry, and then the business just set it up a few years and they gone because it's the difficulty of the finance. Basically, all those、uh, Asian media, for example, newspapers. It's free of charge. The only income is come from the advertisement from the local business. So it's very hard for those new media, for example, new newspapers set up set it up recently. It's very hard. But for a few three or four、uh, newspapers has been set it over ten years. It's all pretty stable right now. Exeter Alofi is the sales manager at Niche Media, which specialises in placing advertising in this sector. With about 260 different media, ethnic media here in New Zealand, and that ranges from、uh, newspapers, magazines, TV, radio,、uh, right through to internet. So it, it, it is grown rapidly, and I, I, I'm seeing it will continue. That will be the trend in, into the future. That will just get more and more、uh, as the、um, population grows. Surveyor Sanu Malifa charges for the seven thousand copies of the Samoa Observer, which he prints each week. But the twenty thousand print run of his other paper, the weekly Auckland Pacific Today, depends on advertising. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty tough.、Uh, the competition here is is, is very tough.、Uh, we did not think it was tough when we started, but we realised, you know, that.、Uh, There's very very big competition. There are so many newspapers, and the media is very big here in New Zealand. And everybody is、uh, is、um, gunning for a bit of the advertising market, which is making it very tough for small newspapers like ours. Advertising is the lifeblood of the foreign language media sector and flows mostly from businesses within each ethnic community. Flicking through the pages, there's little sign of the big corporate names which dominate the larger mainstream media. Martin Gilman's agency, Total Media, advises nationwide advertisers on where to put their money and says a lack of solid data is a key issue. There are a few bits and pieces with circulation figures for some of the print titles, but it's few and far between. It's quite hard to compare the ethnic media with a traditional mainstream media because the data just isn't available. The communities that they serve are quite large and growing. Why are the the outlets that serve them not sort of fitting an advertiser's plan? Well, they increasingly should be, and I think the reason that they are. Not really given the consideration that they should by national advertisers is that simply because m- most of them are very very small. The other issue is that the ethnic diversity is essentially within the Auckland region, but in the main, it's fallen between the cracks. The small scale media and、uh, most of our attention is focused on the larger audiences, and and、um, I think it's. Going to become harder to do that in the future because the ethnic groups are becoming a much more important economic force in New Zealand. At a regional level, one of Auckland's biggest new car dealerships, Giltrap City Toyota, has switched advertising money away from daily print into other areas, including some of the Chinese language newspapers. New vehicles manager Mark Courtney sees it as the start of something significant. Well, we've only just started off, but in the, the very short interim that we've done it, it it's it's working. 
so much so we've actually got ourselves in a couple of embarrassing situations where people have come in to purchase a vehicle or ask something about the car and I haven't been able to speak their language. So we've actually decided so much that it is going to work. We've put on some Asian-speaking people. We've got a couple of dedicated salespeople that speak Chinese, Cantonese, Mandarin, different languages because it's working so well. Will it always be just a very small segment of, of what you do and the business that you have? The first phase, yes. As we get on, maybe the next year to two years, we'll probably find that segment will grow even more. But long term, I think it will. I, I, I think it'd be probably fair to say in probably five years' time, it'll be at least a third to two-thirds of our advertising. It'll grow right up that far because of the demographic of Auckland. I mean, we're an Auckland dealership. Um, the people in Auckland speak lots of languages. It's as simple as that. It's the challenge of covering the stories that count in the growing ethnic communities which will increasingly confront both the mainstream media and the foreign language outlets. Professor Paul Spoonley sees a closer liaison between the two sectors as essential. Well, some of the most successful examples I've seen internationally are joint ventures, and the mainstream media have reached out for commercial and other reasons to partner with minority ethnic and non-English language institutions in order to pull in new audiences. I mean, if you look at Auckland, for example, and you look at the, pro, um, the, the uh, population out to 2016, about a quarter of Auckland will be Asian. Um, about half of it will be Pākehā or European, with the other quarter made up of Māori and uh, Pacific communities. Any media which doesn't anticipate those demographic changes and which doesn't reach out is going to struggle to get an audience. Bo Lee from Banana Works takes heart from the pragmatic relationships formed during the Chen Shun case. I believe through this case, the mainstream media will more cherish the Asian media because through this case, they see uh, so active in the Asian media. So in the future, I believe maybe mainstream media will take more and more uh, news resource or the response from Asian media. Sarah Lee from the website Sky Kiwi and Lingling Liang from WTV both agree. From this stage, I hope I can get some uh, more contact with the mainstream media because there's a certain demand we need to cooperate together to build up this bridge between the mainstream and the Chinese community because the Chinese community seem a little bit isolated with, from the mainstream society. We are very exposed by the media, by this case. So we, so I think it's a long term, and I think it's only a beginning. And in the future, uh, I would love to see more. And I think it's happening now because sometimes I will get some phone calls from radio or television or newspaper or ask me something about the Chinese community. I think that's a very good uh, for us and also for, I think, for all New Zealand. Lincoln Tan hopes his newspaper Eyeball can play a bigger role in bridging the gap between the two sectors. Well, I see Eyeball as the link between ethnic, ethnic media and mainstream because uh, we're in English. I mean, if you look at the publications or, or media that are produced in the, the ethnic language, it's mainly to cater for that particular ethnic group. Whereas uh, in our case, we are very news-oriented and we hope to actually draw the materials from um, the ethnic communities 
to act as a resource for mainstream. And I guess my hope is is to actually one day, you know, Eyeball can work like a, a news agency that could supply news from the ethnic communities to mainstream. Journalism school manager Jim Tucker sees the need for a new crop of more ethnically diverse reporters as crucial for both the mainstream and ethnic media. I think there has to be a real effort by journalism schools to recruit from ethnic communities and they need advice from the communities themselves. At Fiti Raya we're looking very uh, hard at how we can get more Pacific Islanders into journalism because that's probably the uh, most neglected area. And we've had meetings with leading uh, Pacific Island media people and they've offered plenty of advice. And there are some good strategies that we can follow, such as uh, having uh, Pacific Island journalists working in the media act as mentors for those who who come into journalism school for their training. Convince, I guess, the communities by going out to the churches uh, who have a strong say in the Pacific Island communities and talking to the the elders of the Pacific Island community and and, uh, convincing them that this is not uh, something that their their children are going to throw their, their lives away on. The more established foreign language media outlets spoken to for this program are optimistic about their futures, despite the likelihood that coming generations will increasingly have grown up speaking English. Henry Ho from WTV. What we do on our futures, I mean, we need to do a bit more local productions. So we are actually on the way to actually upgrade our studio and then to bring in some more update equipment on the IT side. And then we can actually make more uh, local productions. And I think as time goes by, say another few years, um, people, a lot of people, they actually living here for some time. Uh, they still eager to know what happened in Asia, but at the same time, they would like to know more about the local communities. Sabaya Sanu Malifa of the Samoa Observer. Eventually, the, the old folks who are now buying the paper will, will, will go. That younger people who are coming up, the new generation coming up, all speaking English, if they did speak Samoan too, the idea is for them also to be able to speak Samoan, to communicate in Samoan in their homes, when they go to the office or to school, you know, they talk in English. When they come home, they speak in Samoan. That's the whole idea. So that, you know, whereas they can become bilingual members of society, you can communicate in both languages. That way we can continue to have that um, communication with home, with Samoa. Otherwise you have one race that are, that are cut off from each other because of a language barrier. Five years or so down the track, Lincoln Tan does expect things to be different. The bad apples will go. There are a lot of titles out there right now, but a lot of them are there just for purposes other than, than news. And they won't sustain themselves. After a while, they would make way, and, and the genuine ones will stay. And probably the genuine ones will, would be establishing closer relationships with mainstream. Now, whether they one day merge or form a stronger alliance, I would see the future as a lot better than what um, we are today.